Own Your Truth with life strategist Laura T. Real advice for regular people. Now, here's Laura. Hello and welcome to Own Your Truth, where we're talking real advice for regular people. I'm Laura T. Thank you so much for listening. I know there's lots of ways you can spend your time, and I am grateful each week you're going to spend the next hour with me. So tonight, grab a bowl of ice cream or your favorite cup of tea. We're going to talk about an interesting subject. We're going to discuss this idea of looking up. As I was thinking about tonight's episode, I actually turned to the listeners and asked for some topic ideas. Going through responses, one particular listener, who's also a friend, said she read an interview with Joanna Gaines and loved her motto, look up. The concept not only resonated with my friend, it also struck a really strong chord in me. I just couldn't ignore it. So when I started to look at this idea, I thought, well, it's interesting. This this notion of looking up has come into my world about four times over the past few weeks. So the first one was I went on a recent photo trip and I took a picture in the woods and I titled it Looking Up. Well, because I'm an executive coach, I decided to post the photograph online with a a self-help notion about physically looking up. Well, what surprised me was that it was shared multiple times. So I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. There's an interest in this topic. Another time I'm going through, I'm doing some research for a client, and I was um, just coming across a lot of reference material on the effect of posture and mood. Again, this idea of literally looking up and how it influences our state of being just kept coming up in my world. Then while watching my favorite station, which I am not ashamed to say is the Hallmark Channel, the movie I was watching, they referenced looking up three times in this movie. So when I heard look up as a concept for the show, I knew I had gotten quite a few signs that this was something I needed to explore and share. So I started to pull together my thoughts on the topic and realize the holidays are quickly approaching. And as we think about the holidays, I can already see places where I'm reminded of the importance to look up during the season. So that's where I'm going to begin. We're going to start talking about the holidays. The holidays are so hectic. It's easy to get caught up in the hustle and the bustle. You know, we kind of get in mode and we keep our head down trying to balance work and home and the additional obligations of the holidays like cooking and baking and cleaning. And don't forget putting up the decorations and gift buying and wrapping and traveling and all of that stuff. And I know that you guys know what I'm talking about. So how many times have you said, I'm just trying to survive or I'm just trying to get through? the holidays. Like those words are heart-wrenching because most little kids love the holidays and we lose that spirit as the demands of the season increase. So if there's ever been a time where you enjoyed the holidays and it sort of lost its luster, this section of the episode is for you. Okay, so people say look up as a way to like look up and things will get better. It sounds a little cliche, but looking up literally and metaphorically is important because it's mentally and physically beneficial. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight. 
So I'll start off with a practical technique to help you look up during the holidays. And, you know, I was thinking, too, it's no accident the angel or star, depending on what you put on the top of your tree, should you have a tree in your home, is is on the top, right? It's that idea of looking up and having hope. So to begin, we're going to look at what does it take to have hope for this season and continue to look up all season long. Well, let's start with defining your experience. You know, often we have unmet expectations around the holidays because we create this vague fantasy around what we want the holidays to be, but then we forget to share it with the people in our lives. So the first step to changing that is to start off with creating an experience statement. I always start off my experience statements with the words I am because I am are the two most powerful words in the English dictionary as they relate to our brain and how we think as humans. Because your brain has two jobs to answer your questions and prove you're right. So by creating an experience statement for your holidays, your brain will naturally look for ways to make that experience come true. Remember, your brain has two jobs to answer your questions and prove you're right. So what's an example? An example of an experience statement would be, I am, let's say, totally present, consciously slowing down to enjoy the holidays, finding ways to appreciate time with my family, and always looking up, right? So there's emotion in the statement. There's some specific direction in the statement. And it gives us a place to start to create the experience we want for the holidays. But that's just the beginning. Because you want to create the statement and then make sure that you can support yourself by defining what's important about the statement to you. Really think about like what makes this statement a must for you this year. You see, we don't do what we should. We only do what we must. Therefore, finding your must is vital for following through with your newly defined experience. So an example of a support statement for your ideal experience, I like to include the experience statement too because it reinforces what I want. I must be totally present, consciously slowing down to enjoy the holidays, finding ways to appreciate time with family, and always looking up because last year, I was so caught up in finishing work before the holidays, finding the right gift, and fulfilling family obligations, I made myself miserable. This year must be different because I know I'm in control of my experience. And I can create what I want this holiday season. And what I want is a better experience for me and my family. So do you see how going deeper and remembering even a little bit of the pain from last year will help you stick to this newly defined experience and will help your brain naturally look for ways to look up during the holidays. So now that you have your defined experience, you have the reason it's so important, your must statement, the final step to defining your holiday experience is to create a resource list of all the ways to get what you want. Because 
inevitably, there are going to be moments when things aren't ideal. So it's great to have this reference list that you can go back to. And I always suggest people have a list of at least 20 items. I know it sounds like a lot, but once you start making the list, they kind of come fast. And it's important to know that this is not a to-do list. The goal of your resource list is not to get all the things done. It's to have a series of resources to help you achieve the experience that you want. So looking at the list, one of the other suggestions I always make is if you know that there's certain circumstances that trigger um, a negative feeling, especially during the holidays, whether it's an experience with an extended family member that isn't good, create a system for success or an item on your resource list to help you get through it. And I'm going to give you some examples of, of some resources now. So some resources lists, some, some resources available to help create the experience that I defined. And remember, that's slowing, uh, I must be totally present, consciously slowing down to enjoy the holidays, finding ways to appreciate time with family and always looking up. Some resources would include something like, um, I don't know, stepping outside and taking three deep breaths of fresh holiday air. Or maybe something that relaxes you is um, driving to find holiday lights. Or something for me that I love is listening to holiday records. I literally bought a record player a couple of years ago because I loved the sound of the click on holiday music. So that idea of listening to a holiday song just totally brings me present and into the season. Even watching holiday movies. Or maybe you're crafty and you'd like to do a craft night. And that's something that's going to help you calm down and get into the season. And, you know, I talked about challenging situations. If you're in a challenging situation, come up with a question that can help snap you out of your your mindset, right? So maybe it's, um, what can I do to feel the way I want, the way I've defined right now? in this moment? How can I create that experience? How can I find a way to slow down? How can I find a way to appreciate my family? What does that take right now in this moment? Some other ideas could be making a list of holiday events you want to see. Uh, maybe it's playing holiday charades with your kids. You notice how this has lots of different things on it because you want to have options so that depending on your mood, you can choose something that's the right fit. Maybe it's something as simple as making hot chocolate or sitting by the fire or going out at night to look up at the stars. Maybe it's looking up for spiritual guidance. On this one, it's regardless of your religious beliefs. I mean, looking up has a peaceful and powerful effect. We're going to talk about that later on in the show. So now that you have your statement, you have your reason behind making the shift, and you have this resource list, you get to start to decide how you approach your holidays. And with this, aren't your holidays already looking up, right? So the idea is that you start thinking up so you can look up during this busy season and enjoy it. I'd love to hear from listeners that try this on. Go to the Own Your Truth with Laura T. Facebook page and share your success stories and your challenges. I will respond. So please let me know how this goes for you. Now, let's talk about the importance of looking up 
from your phones on a day-to-day basis. I know this is a little bit of a touchy subject because technology provides so many benefits. And yet when we think about this concept of looking up, it really is impeding our ability to literally look up and appreciate what's around us. So in doing research for the show, I come to find out, and these numbers I feel like get bigger and bigger every time I do research on this topic, with the increase of handheld devices, we spend so much time looking down. Emarketing.com reports American adults currently spend an average of two hours and 55 minutes on a handheld device. You know, surprisingly, I thought that was low for adults. Meanwhile, Common Sense Media reports teens are spending more than nine hours a day on their screen. That was shocking to me. So when you look at what are the impacts of that beyond just looking down, our increase in technology has even impacted how much time we spend outdoors. The Environmental Protection Agency reports the average American spends 93% of their life indoors. That includes time in automobiles. And yet that number shocked me. Sadly, even in our cars, we are looking down, looking at directions and even worse, people who are reading or answering texts. But this idea of being connected is actually creating a world where we're less connected because we're not even looking up. Professor Larry Rosen of California State University um, looks at these stats even a step further. And he said many people today could be diagnosed with what he calls an eye disorder. Rosen summarizes the disorder as when you exhibit signs and symptoms of a psychiatric disorder such as OCD, narcissism, addiction, or even ADHD, which are manifested through the use or overuse of technology, right? I mean, think about the number of people you, you, in your world that would match this definition. An obsessive need to check for messages, a desperate desire to constantly update your Facebook status, or a near addiction to iPhone games are all manifestation of eye disorder. You know, when I read this, I was struck by the way he wrote eye disorder. It was small i, big D, I-S-O-R-D-E-R, just like iPhone, right? Knowing words impact the way we think This was the first time I stepped back and said, huh, is it any surprise that with an object called iPhone that we reference all the time, we're more focused on I than any other piece of technology to date? So even though we convince ourselves we're more connected and we're communicating more with others, most of the connectivity through handheld devices consists of a a, a dissemination of information, right, rather than an effort for true communication. And that's an important distinction. This dissemination of information is just an outpouring of information, where communication, there's a really healthy back and forth and curiosity and desire to understand. It's so easy to keep our heads down, buried in I, 
whether we're filtering on we're filtering through messages that support our beliefs or whether we're getting upset by messages that don't or even if we're just mindlessly escaping we're missing out on our current experience because we're caught between this screen and how that feels for the i in each of us I started to think maybe if we looked at our journey through life differently, it would help give us some perspective on our use of technology and, again, this effect of looking down. I remember when I was in high school, and I won't totally date myself, um, but I will say we did not have handheld technology then. Um, A teacher shared his story. And again, there was no technology, but he had his own story where his head was down. And he shared this with my senior class. And I remember it so vividly. He said, I saved my entire adult life to take my dream trip across Europe on the Eurorail. And on the last leg of his train adventure, the parts where he was just sitting on the train, he looked up from his maps in his journal and noticed the beautiful landscape outside the window. He said, I didn't realize until that moment, I was so busy remembering and reminiscing about where I'd been or or journaling and planning my itinerary for the next leg that I forgot to appreciate the beauty outside the train window. And in that moment of sadness, he realized he missed the train ride. His message to us that day is the same message I want to share with you today. Don't miss the train ride. You know, on a beautiful fall day, when I drive by the middle school and see 20 students standing outside waiting for parents to pick up, and they're standing in silence with their heads down on their devices, I literally want to scream out the window, like, you're missing the ride. You're missing in the moments with each other that will go by in a flash. And, oh, by the way, they go by even faster as you get older, right? Or whether I'm, I'm sitting in a restaurant and I see an entire family at a table with their heads down on their devices, or even worse, when I see people on a date and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like, I want to scream. You're missing the ride. You know, relationships are killed one unspoken conversation at a time. Or even when I'm sitting with my own extended family during the holidays and look around the room to see five out of six of us are on a device. And that's me included. And I want to, like, shake us all and say, like, what are we doing? We're missing the ride. We live in different states and we only see each other like two times a year. I want to hear about your days and actually share in this time together. So what is a ride in these instances? The ride could be the friendship with someone new while waiting outside the school or a hilarious conversation with a loved one at the dinner table or stories shared with extended family. Life isn't a destination. It's a series of rides on this really, really short journey. And if we don't look up, we'll all miss it. Now, listen, I don't say this because I'm the most disciplined in my handheld device use. Like, I don't even want to pretend. However, I do have sacred moments, and I call them sacred because they're so important to me, that I have managed to capture during my days so I don't totally miss my own ride. And that's especially with my immediate family. So I'm going to share these experiences with you as examples for you to think about and create your own moments of enjoyment during your life trip. The first one 
is on short car rides, uh, especially with my kids, when I'm driving them around town for their various activities. And, you know, even if we're going to the store together, they aren't allowed to be on their devices. That's our time. I ask them about their day or if um, they're being quiet, maybe I'll ask them to tell a story or I'll ask them about things that they're interested in because I really want to spark conversation during this time. Now, I've been doing this for years and I I will say I I still get an eye roll or maybe like a pierced lip when I insist they put their phones away, but they comply and we always benefit from the conversation that happens. The other place I insist we look up is at the dinner table. So phones are not allowed at our table at home, which means that they're not allowed when we go out. So to get the family talking, I want to come up with situations that help us converse. So I've shared on the show before that we do three things that we're grateful for every night at dinner. I love to hear how my family thinks about gratitude. And, you know, no one ever gets a night off and no one is allowed to do less than three. My daughter actually gives me a hard time that I have rules for gratitude. And it really is rules for interaction, right? I just want to get us communicating and appreciating each other. So this gives us a place for conversation. And to be honest, it really is a place where we get lots of laughs. Because when the kids are feeling like especially desperate on a particularly tough day, they're like, what can I think of? Like, oh, I don't really know what I'm oh, this is tough. I don't know what I'm grateful for. It, it's in those silly moments that we look up and we laugh and we appreciate each other. The other night, I literally almost spit out my drink because um, my daughter shared something that was so funny. So and these are the moments that we have. What are some ways you can encourage your family to look up, to have more conversations? Consider making a list. Implement just one thing and see how it fits. If it doesn't work, try on something else. These are two things that I found work for our family, but they're not going to work for everyone. So find what fits you. The other thing is having and creating experiences and opportunities where there aren't devices. There isn't room for them. So, you know, coming up with a list of things that you do every once in a while. Like I have a list that I made up for stuff that we only do, you know, now and then. Like family hikes or, you know, being a tourist in our own town. Um, We'll have, it's not every Friday night, but, you know, Friday night, pizza and a movie, no technology. Um, for longer car rides, you know, we travel back and forth. We have a two hour drive, um, for where we go on weekends. And, you know, what's great is when my kids are like, oh, let's play a car game, you know, fantastic. During a recent ride home, we played, um, word association. We played the alphabet game. We played I spy and we played finish the story. I mean, that's fantastic. I'm with teenagers and this is what we're doing. Um, the kids love when they get to be DJ, right? And we do use our cell phones for the music, but we end up laughing and singing out loud. Um, even, you know, little things and things that you can do for free, like visit a local farm or go to the beach, stuff where you don't need technology to appreciate the experience. As we near the holidays, one of the ideas, one of the things that we've been doing for the past few years that I wanted to share, and I hope that you'll consider implementing in a couple of weeks, is uh, on Thanksgiving, on Black Friday, REI, the outdoor store, 
does opt outside and they promote a healthier option for Black Friday by recommending you spend time outside. We've done it for the past few years and we don't even do anything special. We may just walk on a trail or go to the beach, but we spend at least a few hours outside together as a family and it's without technology. And we're really looking up and having conversations and we love it. Well, I started talking tonight about ways to look up during the holidays, and now we ventured into techniques for making sure that you look up, especially from our phones, on a daily basis. After tonight's featured musical artist of the week, I'm going to talk about the physical benefits of looking up, because I think it's something that we don't think enough about and we take for granted. So after our featured artist of the week, will explore this physical benefits of looking up. This week, the featured artist of the week is someone that I just felt strongly I had to revisit. I love their music and their sound. Auburn Mode is an eclectic group that truly represents the cornerstone of Hartford, Connecticut's music scene, with influences as diverse as the list of acts they support and the musical range they play. This team of talented artists come together from other groups, which is what I love about it. Um, And despite crazy schedules and hectic lives, they continue to make time for each other because they're drawn to creating together. There's no rules. There's no agenda. They just play. And isn't that an example of looking up? Here is Live in Style from Auburn Mode. And I see you on the eye. We will live in style We will take the sun Yeah, yeah,
Yet it's been so long Yet it's been so long Now look Welcome back. You are listening to Own Your Truth with Laura T. We've been talking about the importance of looking up. And let's get into the physical benefits. We talked a lot about mindset and we gave you a tool. I gave you a tool on how to start to think differently and look up during the holidays. We're gonna, and, you know, looking at the physical benefits of looking up, according to health.com in an interview, with William Smith, an exercise psychologist in Morristown, New Jersey, and co-author of Exercises for Perfect Posture, he says, we're a very forward-leaning society. We drive forward, we lean forward, we slouch over our desks all day. He adds, you probably even spend a lot of time you know, craning your neck over your smartphone. Although there's no evidence that proves poor posture directly causes serious problems like clinical depression and anxiety, a number of studies have suggested that it may exacerbate the uh, symptoms of these disorders. Even if your mental health is generally solid, there are good reasons to think that you'd be happier and healthier if you simply sat up and stood up straighter. I mean, it's so simple, and yet it's not something we're consciously thinking about. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I shared an exercise on Facebook about looking up, and I posted it with a picture. I'm going to put it online. I wanted to share it now because it's something that you can implement immediately. Let's try it. Let's try it right now. Whether you're in your chair or on your couch, wherever you are, well, don't do this if you're driving. You don't want to do this if you're driving. Start with sitting up straight and then lean your head back. Look up toward the ceiling or the sky and do it right now and and think about how you're feeling. If you don't feel a change in your physical state by doing that one little activity, let's take it a step further. Once again, put your head back. Now this time... Put your hands up. Put your hands up above your head and look up to the ceiling and even shake your hands a little bit. Try that on. Does that change your state? You can, I don't know if you can hear I'm doing it in the studio. My arms, my, my, my producer's laughing at me right now. My arms are up in the air and my voice rises with my arms going up because it has, a, a, the physical has an impact on how we express ourselves. So, if that doesn't work for you, I say one more, I have one more recommendation. Put your head back, put your hands up in the air, shake them a little bit and have someone record you doing this. And I say have someone record you because if you're not laughing at that point, the person recording you is absolutely laughing their butt off. Like it's hilarious because you look so silly. And at the same time, it changes your state. Well, so I do implement all but the recording part. I don't usually have people record themselves. 
besides that, I use this with kids. I use it with adults during sessions. This is a small technique that helps people realize they have the power to change their mental state by simply changing their physical one. And honestly, this works 96% of the time. This idea of our physical state being influenced, our physical state influences our mental well-being And yet they're so connected, we can literally override our negative feelings by forcing ourselves to change our physical state. And whether it's sitting up, putting your head up, whether it's lifting your arms above your head, it will have an impact on how you show up. It even goes further than that. In an article in Psychology Today, Colin Ellard, PhD, quotes neuroscientist Fred Previk, our second visual system, which specializes in surveying extrapersonal space, that being the distant uh, vistas beyond the horizon, is strongly activated during religious experiences, active meditation, dreaming, um, and even during artistic and creative activity that encourage us to reach beyond the, our, our boundaries. It's no accident, according to Previk, that meditative states, trances, and this mystical or religious experience are often accompanied by an upward deviation of our eyes. So when we're participating in these things, often our eyes naturally move up. So the effect of this is so strong that the effect of the second visual system, it, it was it's even used by architects, whether they're architects way in the past or even in the present. In 2014, the American Institute of Architects created an initiative around this concept, encouraging people to look up because of the positive impact. I mean, think about when you go to New York City and you're looking up at the buildings. Or what about when you go into a beautiful cathedral and you're looking up? It has a positive impact on how we feel. Looking up with our full self, picking our head up with eyes forward, putting your shoulders back, even those three small movements can have such a huge impact on how you're feeling. You know, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned this episode was inspired by a friend and listener who recently read an interview with Joanna Gaines. She's the, I don't know if you know her, she's the rehabber, reality TV star and owner of Magnolia Homes. She has a line of furniture and, and beautiful decor. She uses look up as her mantra. And I thought this was a perfect way to close this portion of the segment, this idea of physically looking up. To close it with her quote, it was so powerful. Joanna said, I came up with this mantra of sorts that I'd whisper to myself or repeat in my head whenever I felt that invariable tug to disengage from the present. And because I believe there is a power in asking our body to act on our heart's behalf, no matter where I was or what task may have been in front of me, if I sensed myself drift, I'd do my best to pause and look up. This idea of looking up is so much more than a cliche. It's truly a state of being. What changes if you focus on looking up? Do you feel more confident? Are you friendlier? Are you more engaged with those that you love? Start to try it on. 
start to look beyond the devices in our hands to look out the window and see the the beauty that's passing us by really embrace this idea of changing both your posture and your mindset by looking up well, I'm going to answer some questions I received from the Own Your Truth Facebook page. So the first question comes from Marie in Massachusetts. How can I balance my time during the holidays? There are so many pressures, I feel like I can't enjoy them anymore. This is so true. And one of the the reasons I wanted to use this concept of looking up prior to the holidays, you know, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned defining your uh, your experience and what do you want your experience for the holidays to be like. That's first and foremost. The other thing is equally about, you know, how are you budgeting your time, right? It's finding that balance. We talk about, you know, work-life balance and now we've got work and family and holidays and there's lots of for us to balance. And it's never really in balance. It's about finding a counterbalance and realizing that you can't do everything and do it well or during this season, really enjoy it if you're rushing through the holidays. So, Think about setting priorities. You know, if everything is a priority, nothing is a priority. And deciding what your priorities are during this holiday season. Use that experience statement I talked at the beginning of the show to define what you say yes and what you say no to. It's really important that we look at how do we want to be filling our days? How can we find a a, a, a counterbalance that fits for us. And that means that you have to decide what's most important and then make your choices accordingly. So if you decide that, you know what, enjoying time with the families is, family is most important, then maybe gifts take a back seat this year. That's not something that's important. Discuss that with your family. Really look at how can you create the holiday that you want remove the pressure. That pressure is pressure that we put on ourselves. So my recommendation to you, Marie, is twofold. You know, look at defining your experience, like I talked about at the beginning of the show, and then really set your priorities and use your experience statement as a way to decide what your priority is for the season. I hope that helps. And like I said, go to the Own Your Truth um, with Laura T. Facebook page and let me know how this works out for you. The next question comes from Jane in Fairfield. I'm married and my husband and I have two different approaches to the holidays. I like to give my time and money. He's kind of cheap, so it's hard to look up when I feel like he brings me down. Oh, well, so I giggle because this idea of cheap, and you mentioned it's time and money, it can be that um, our expectations or our definition of giving is different based on how we grew up, what's natural for us. And it's so important to be having these conversations with your spouse and looking at what is important to you during the holiday. You need to recognize that you are in charge of your experience. In any situation, we have three options. 
we can change, we can blame. So we can, you know, blame our spouse. He brings me down. I feel down during the holidays, which is common and it's so natural where we want to look to have a reason. Or we can get proactive. We can change our perception or we can change our procedure. So you could look at changing your perception of him and him being cheap and his approach to the holidays and get insanely curious and find out what part of the holidays, where in the holidays is he generous and really start to better understand him and so that you can change your perception of how he behaves during the holidays. The other idea is you can change your procedure. And in changing your procedure, you can decide that you are going to show up as your best self. And if that means giving of time and money during the holiday season, that you're talking to him about that and that you're going to do it regardless of his approach. And that having different approaches doesn't make one right and the other wrong. They're just different and appreciating that difference instead of having it be a place of conflict for the two of you. So really key to look at how do you decide how you want to view the holidays? Is it a change in procedure or is it that change in perception? Because you have complete control over your experience during this holiday. I would also recommend for you, you know, defining that, um, having that experience statement for the holiday and then sharing that with him. Bring him into your world and explaining what's important about the way that you give and where that came from. Having conversation is what's most important. And this during the holiday season is a beautiful time to have those conversations with each other. I hope that helps. Uh, like I said, let me know how it goes. Keep me posted. Come visit the Own Your Truth Authority Facebook page and leave a comment. Okay. Our next question comes from Sally in Monroe. I recognize I have a habit of being on social media apps when I'm with people. And right now it's a habit. How can I cue myself to put down my phone to be present in the moment? This is such a great question and such beautiful self-awareness. The fact that you recognize it and you see it as a habit. The beauty of seeing it as a habit is that we get to decide what we do with habits. Um, they can be – the idea behind a habit is once the habit is created and we reinforce it, the more we do it, the stronger that connection makes. So I often have clients place two circles on a piece of paper and draw a line between the two circles. The more you reinforce a habit – the stronger that line becomes, right? So you take the pen and you go back and forth between the two circles and the line gets thicker and it gets thicker and it's thicker. So the more that we do it, the more challenging it can be to break or change the habit. And I look at change versus break because it is something that you tend to have to build a mental muscle for over time. We want to break a habit and have it go away immediately. Well, it would be wonderful if it was that easy and sometimes it's not. So be kind to yourself as you're working through changing this habit. The first step is identifying when you do it. 
when we look at habits, we want to look at what triggers the habit. Because once we're in the habit, it's kind of hard to stop. But if we can look at the things that trigger the habit. So if you think about when you're on social media apps, where are the places that trigger it? Is it when you're mindlessly um, waiting in line uh, at a grocery store? Or is it when you're sitting in front of the TV? Or is it when there's a lull in conversation? Think about the triggers for this habit so that you can look at adjusting at the trigger and recognizing when you do it the moment it happens. So, oh, I'm in a line. Come up with an alternative for what you want to do when you're in line. Maybe you pick up a magazine off the magazine rack just to start to break the current habit that you have. So come up with an alternative because once you stop it at the trigger, you can then change the habit and create the outcome and the experience that you want. So Sally, my recommendation for you is really start to look at your patterns and where you're using social media apps and begin to change your habits and be kind to yourself during this process because your brain will want to go back to what it knows. It's easier there. And just start to look for alternatives. Finding an alternative will help you change your habit faster. And let me know how that goes. So I hope that as you think about this idea of looking up and we look at technology, we look at um, during the holidays and you look at your mindset, you can appreciate how a small shift in how we hold ourselves can have a huge impact on how we look at life. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope today's segment has you thinking and looking up. As always, I love hearing your thoughts and getting your feedback on the show. Visit Own Your Truth with Laura T's Facebook page and please, please, please love a comment. This is Laura T on Own Your Truth. I look forward to next weekend. We'll hear you then. Good night.